we felt that there is an opportunity to actually create a win-win between the company, the employee, the various suppliers that are out there. It was really about where we believe that there is a talent that will complement our needs. Once you learn the lesson of COVID, you realize that, that the business model is highly dependent on usage. From GGV, this is Founder Real Talk, where we get real about the challenges that founders and startup executives face and how they've grown from tough experiences. I'm your host, Glenn Solomon. Without further ado, here's today's episode. On this episode of Founder Real Talk, I'm joined by my colleague, Oren Younger. Hey, Oren. Hey, Glenn. We're thrilled to welcome Ariel Cohen to the show. Ariel is the co-founder and CEO of Trip Actions. Trip Actions is a platform that uses real-time data to make corporate travel and spending easier for everyone while cutting down on company costs. Founded in 2015, Trip Actions saw exponential growth and a $4 billion valuation before the travel industry came to a grinding halt during the onset of COVID-19. And after making key pivots, Trip Actions recovered and the release of Trip Actions Liquid, their spending management solution, and recently announced a successful Series E round of financing and up round raised $155 million at a $5 billion valuation. So Ariel has really navigated COVID quite well, and we're looking forward to talking to him about that today. Trip Actions currently has about 5,000 customers, is planning to double its workforce, and will set up an R&D center in Ariel's home country of Israel. And so today we'll be asking Ariel about navigating and overcoming major setbacks and how he's changing the way millions of people travel. Ariel, welcome to Founder Real Talk. Hey, thank you for having me, Glenn and Owen. It's great to be here. Great to have you. So first things first, we wanted to um, ask you a little bit about the industry. Corporate travel's long been dominated by large agencies. And obviously, you saw an opportunity with Trip Actions that many others didn't. This is not a new industry, but you saw <laughs> the opportunity. Was there like an aha moment for you in at some point where you realized that travel and the way we travel for work needs to change? Uh, just curious, like what led up to you deciding I need to found Trip Actions? Yeah, it, it, it's uh, our thinking process. Uh, me and Elon, Elon Twig, my co-founder, and I had this uh, thinking process through what should be the next startup that we want to create that will last for a very long time. We had the experience of selling our previous startup uh, really, really early after nine months. And as founders, that's not something that we wanted to do. Uh, we wanted to have the opportunity to build a real company. So it took us some time to land on business travel. We actually looked at a lot of different industries that we felt that, first of all, they are really, really big industries. And two, that they are uh, ready for disruption, that there is a reason that if someone will have a different perspective to that market, will introduce a new service, a new product, that someone can actually take the market. And business travel was one of the, of the options. We had several options. Business travel was one of them. But then both of us were also business travelers. And we were also execs in companies. And we kind of had this point of view that, that nothing makes sense. So as a user, you know, you go, you, you try to book your trip. And it, it is this endless back and forth, like with emails and phone calls to have a simple trip to New York. And, uh, and if you try to use uh, Concare, which is kind of the online solution for that, 
it's still integrated to these antiquated e- agencies such as American Express. And then it creates even a clunkier experience. You'll not see the, the, the flights that you want to take. It will take you very long time to understand if you can get your loyalty uh, points or not. You'll actually eventually give up and either book outside, go outside and, and book there, or just compromise and, uh, and just uh, you know, spend a lot of time on booking your trip. So that's as a road warrior and as an employee. But also as an exec, you sit in a company meetings and the CFO will show up and tell you, hey, your team is spending a lot of money on travel. But they don't give you any tools to analyze why are they spending the money on what? How can I save money for the company? How can I be a good corporate citizen? So we felt that there is an opportunity to actually create a win-win between the company, the employee, the various suppliers that are out there, and basically create a really, really good experience and extremely different than the experience uh, that you get that you used to get, uh, you know, in the market in this business travel market. Did you guys feel like you needed to recruit some veterans from the travel industry to join you in the journey, or or did you? Because you you came at it quite new. I'm just curious how you thought about that as founders. First of all, we were completely ignorant, and I really mean ignorance, like on an embarrassing level. One example. When we started, we said, okay, so we started to look for the API, you know, to book an hotel or, a, or, a, or an air travel. And there is no API like that, right? You need to have an entire setup to be able to eventually fulfill a flight or, a, or to book an hotel room. But that was the level of ignorance. We really didn't know how to implement a, a travel system that is based on, that is built on the travel a, a infrastructure. And that became actually a huge advantage. The TripActions platform is built in such a unique way, way closer than the way that you build any type of software. And this gives us huge advantage in the marketplace in terms of efficiency of agents, the amount of inventory content that we can bring into the system and so on. So that ignorance was actually an advantage. Still, we were so ignorant that we had to find ways to reach out to the industry. We didn't want to hire people from the industry because we wanted to disrupt the industry. And uh, we thought that you will not be able to do it if we'll bring people in from the industry. But we went to the industry and asked for advice. We had at the beginning a lot of advisors from the industry that really helped us to understand even the most tactical things, such as where is the API, right? Or uh, how do you make money in this industry? How airlines are thinking about stuff? How hotels are thinking about stuff? So... I think being ignorant was actually an advantage, but also going and asking for advice was very, very important. Ariel, you touched on it. This is a common theme with many of our guests. This is not your first rodeo. Before your co-founder trip actions with Elan, you both co-founded Stream once. Tell us about that experience and what's different the second time around. Yes, StreamWise was uh, on a technology level. It was actually super cool. We we connected the enterprise systems and we kind of uh, moved information from one side to the other. So you could actually take an email that is uh, residing on MS Exchange and completely translate it to a social feed and suddenly see it in a kind of a social for the enterprise uh, system. Back then it was Yammer. Today it's more like uh, Slack. So it was, uh, from a technology perspective, super complicated and actually extremely interesting. 
the problem is that while we were excited about the technology, the business was not there. It was almost like we saw a certain opportunity. We said, hey, it would be cool to kind of uh, move information from one place to the other. But we really didn't think about how this business will look like. And we're lucky, actually, like with everything I know about startups today, we were lucky to actually have a pretty good exit and fast. But there was no way to build a company in the way that we've built uh, or we were even thinking about Slim Ones. And, and that lesson led us to, to trip actions where we did the opposite. We didn't have a cool technology at the beginning. We looked at the industry. We had an idea. We had a different observation to this industry. And then we went and started to develop uh, the technology. That's quite interesting. Specifically to the technology or the, the problem set, you know, people, when they travel for business with the company card, you would think that they would spend more and not to point any fingers, but, you know, because it's not their money, you would think that the, it's, they think of it as less, but that's not the use case with TripAction users. How are you getting your users to spend less of somebody else's money? I think, first of all, users are doing that not because they're not good corporate citizens. You know, employees are not assholes, right? They, they want to do the right thing. But if you are not giving them the tools to do the right thing, so if you think that the way to communicate policy is to send them a document that they need to read, right, they, they don't have the tools to do the right thing. On top of this, if you fast rates them, Right, if you're sending them to the wrong hotel, if they are using a travel agency that wasted a lot of their time, if they're sitting on the wrong place in the airplane, then they will start to spend more because it's kind of part of human nature. So that's what I meant earlier when I said win-win. We thought that if you will convince employees that there is a true win-win with the company, they will spend less money. Part of this we use like more of like brute force mechanisms in our system. Uh, you get rewards to save company money on hotels, okay? So we give you a certain price to beat, and you get rewards to do that. But that's one thing. That's what I'm calling brute force. But in our system, you can also easily understand what is the policy of your organization, right? And, and also, we communicate it to you and to your employer what is the most optimized selection in terms of convenience on one side. Convenience is important. And in terms of cost on the other side. And I think that when you do that, when you present it in your UI, when that's how the product behaves, I will say something that it's actually not a marketing slogan. It sounds like a marketing slogan, but depends on the company, we ending up saving between 10 to 30% on the travel spend. It's a lot of money. So, and it's real. And, uh, and we do that because of this approach. Remarkable. It's, it's really cool to hear that you see, you know, given how many data points you have in the market, you actually see that when people are given the tools to do the right thing, that they do the right thing. From a humanity standpoint, that's encouraging. 100%. That's great. So we want to dive into the companies, like everybody else, having to deal with COVID. And you know, many of our companies had their businesses interrupted as a result of, of the pandemic going back to March of 2020. But Given that you guys are so focused on travel, this hit you in a different way than many other tech companies. You were on a complete upward trajectory, an amazing trajectory, a speedy trajectory prior to and leading up to, to the pandemic. And so the contrast must have been very stark. The world really stopped 
I'm assuming people really stopped traveling. So we kind of went totally binary zero to one for you or one to zero in this case. And so can you just tell us about that moment when you woke up and realized that, oh my gosh, like the world has fundamentally changed for my business. What was that like? And then really curious to ask you a little bit more about how you, what you did about it. Yeah, first of all, it's definitely, <laughs> it was a tough experience, the entire, the entire thing. And obviously right now you see me smiling and you hear me smiling. And the reason is that we definitely found a way to, to manage the company through that. But I remember the moment uh, we were uh, growing so fast that as you grow fast, you're also getting very, very confident. And we were uh, in the process of buying uh, one of our uh, competitors, a pretty big competitor. And it's like, you know, like think about the, the win here, right? Like uh, the guys that we are trying to disrupt, uh, we're going to buy them. We're going to buy one of them. And we were very close to doing it. In fact, I was actually traveling. I was on an airplane landing to have a meeting to pretty much uh, kind of concluding the last things around this acquisition. My CFO was actually an SFO. I was landing already and my CFO was actually on his way. I will not say to which city because then you know the company. So uh, we got there and the meeting got canceled because of COVID. And I remember I turned around in the airport and I took a flight back to SFO. And I remember that once I come down from, you know, you have all of the commotion, you need a new flight, you know, you need to run to another terminal, all of these things. I sat in the airplane and I realized that nothing is going to be the same, that our business have a pretty big problem and that we will need to figure it out. And the problem was that our business model, which back at the time looked really smart business model, uh, our business model was based on usage. We basically were coming to companies and telling them, if you're not using us, don't pay us. Only when you use us, you pay us. And it's actually a pretty good business model which supports, uh, you know, hyper growth unless suddenly there is a reason for everybody to stop using it, using you in one day. And that's what happened to us. So very, I would say uh, it was very, very clear to me, very, very fast. And then more, that's my personality. I can switch and move on very quickly. You'll not see me sitting for months and kind of uh, reflecting or doing anything like that. Uh, it was clear to me that we have a big problem. We were going at the, at the time at a 4X rate, which means that we were burning a lot of cash. But suddenly we also lost all of our revenue. And we needed to adjust and adjust really, really fast. And, in, and, it, and it included stuff that are really tough, including laying off 25% of our, employee, of our employees, which was really, really hard to do. Then redefining our entire business, realizing, uh, you know, redefining how to sell, right, uh, travel, right, uh, in April, May, June 2020. So it was really, really tough, but in hindsight, it was also rewarding. We, you know, we've learned a lot about ourselves as a company. You've mentioned that you're, you think your culture was key in helping stabilize and then you know, turning lemons into lemonade. Can you talk a little bit about the culture you've built and why you think it was uh, helpful in, in getting through this? Our team is really tough. It's across the board. We have really a uh, tough team. And uh, we had uh, another crisis, uh, I think, two years before COVID, which was more of like uh, in the market. We had a disagreement with an airline. And it was tough. We were very, very small back then with a disagreement with a really big airline. 
And the team back then, which was much more of a startup team, knew how to survive, how to fight. And I think that when you are a small startup, it's actually easier. When the startup is growing, a lot of people will join the startup for a lot of different reasons. And we are very hyped, right? Like a startup growing really fast, all of the right investors, you know, everything that you want. So we are very hyped. And I think in that process, there were employees that kind of the unwritten agreement with them was that they're joining us and they will be extremely successful because, you know, at that point, that, uh, that was kind of uh, how reality looked like. And that was not the case. So some of the employees decided to leave. And I respect that, right? They joined something else and, they, and suddenly they found themselves in a, in a different reality. But the ones that stayed are really, really, really tough. And I can give you one example, right? Obviously, right now, there are a lot of headlines around the Delta variant, right? And you could see our team. I think you can Freud our team right now, whatever you want to. And we'll know how to handle it. It's not even a thing. Like, we are just handling it. Like, we are uh, making some changes. We know what to do. And we are managing it really in almost in an easy way. So obviously part of this is experience, right? We have, you know, we have almost two years of training right now. But the other thing, I think the team is just really, really tough. And I like it because it creates really good culture. Let's say what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah. Clearly you've come out of this very, very strong as a company, which is cool to see. Ariel, th- this, is, this is a really phenomenal story. Uh, and one thing you, you did do as part of the pivot or the realization that something major has changed is you introduced uh, trip action liquid, which essentially gives employees a digital company card that can be turned on and off. How did you come up with this idea and how did you create a startup within a startup? Yeah. So first of all, we came up with this idea on our previous uh, crisis. So it was a, it was a way to, uh, to solve the issue that we had back then. And we realized that we can spin off credit cards and, and actually attach them to transactions. And then we realized, wow, there is something very, very unique here in the context of travel, but also expense management. So, you know, every crisis kind of is teaching you something. And that's what we, we, we learned in, the, in actually even three years ago. And we started it as a way to kind of open the platform, to have the ability to give our uh, users the ability to, to buy stuff, even if you don't have it in our platform. That's ac- actually how Liquid started. But then we realized that with the technology that you have today in the fintech stack, you can basically create magic. And I mean it. What we are uh, selling today is a thing. You basically swipe your credit card, and that is the last event that the company will have in the finance team, in the accounting team, in, you know, with the employees around the expense management and uh, every type of spend that is done by the employees. And it is so valuable and so magical. You know, I'm on a trip right now and I'm using liquid all the time. The fact that I don't do expense management, you cannot find the receipts here in my room, right? Usually I have these things, right? I don't have it. I, I, I don't store receipts. I don't know what receipt is. I'm not coming up. I don't need to explain who was with me in the dinner. And, and I don't need to explain what was the reason for the dinner. And the finance team, by the way, can see in real time that I did this expense. And if they want to tell me something about it, they can. If it met the policy, everything is cool. If they want to block it, they can block it. Right? They can, uh, for example, if I'll do something that is out of compliance right now, not just policy. But let's say that I decided to go down the street here and buy a lot of uh, liquor. Right? The card will not work. Right? 
and the card based on uh, how you define the level of the, in the organization and so on can start working while you're on a trip and it will stop working while, while you're coming back, which CFOs, it's really, really important for them. But to, you can decide it to the road warriors or the C-level or to some employees, the card is always on. So it's really, it's something that started way before COVID, the, the development of the technology of it. The pivot was really to expense management. We've developed it as a payment mechanism to travel, but we realized that you can actually solve a pretty big problem around, the, around expense management. And part of this was also was the need to change our business model and to start and charge licenses. And today we are selling t and right? And there is a platform fee. And that is extremely important. You know, once you learn the lesson of COVID, you realize that, that the business model is highly dependent on usage. That's great. And, and definitely expense management complements travel or business travel super well. So do you see this as a one-time product or are you thinking of TripActions today as a more holistic platform that you're going to introduce more products that are going to complement your main focus from now on? Yeah, from the get-go, we were thinking about trip actions in the same way that uh, you would read in the books that Amazon were thinking about Amazon. And it's not because we read a book, it was because of what we want to do. We want to build a company that in 20, 30, 40 years from now will still be relevant, will still be around, will still be innovative. And we think that the way, the, the more holistic approach that we are doing it is that there is a user in the center of everything. And the user could be the traveler, it could be an accountant, it could be a CFO. And if we'll surround this user by different things that they need in the context of travel, our mission is to empower the in-person connections. That's what we do. We bring people together and we believe in it. It's almost the opposite of everything that we've done uh, you know, uh, during COVID. So we really believe in the face-to-face uh, uh, communication and connection. And that's our mission. And users that are part of this have a lot of needs. And we want to cater to all of these needs. And the needs could be business travel. It could be consumer travel. It could be teams that are uh, going to a meeting together. It could be a huge event, a small event, a very expensive leisure trip. It could be how you are paying for everything while you are on the road, everything. So our goal is really to provide to that user in the center a lot of different things. And in that aspect, COVID accelerated it because during COVID, you know, we talked about liquid, but we released additional two products. One of them is Trip Actions Lemonade, which is basically personal trips for the employees that are using us for business travel. And it's a business that is going really, really fast. Another business is what we are calling a, a team travel, which is basically how do you know if you want to do an offsite right now for 10 people, how do you do that? Today, you need to call somebody. There will be EAs that will, you know, find a place and, and all of the, this, these things. Uh, but uh, in our system, you can do it uh, in an online way and get recommendation. That's the best place to do an offsite from cost perspective, fun, and even carbon offsetting perspective, right? So really, really powerful product. So in that aspect, COVID really accelerated us because we had the time to think and just be very, very innovative. Hmm. I think it was Winston Churchill who said, never waste a good crisis. And it seems like you guys have gotten a lot out of the pandemic and really come out the other side, a different company, uh, a very strong company. And 
the financial markets actually uh, have rewarded you for that really incredible situation given where you were in March, April of last year. You announced $155 million Series E funding this year at a $5 billion valuation, so up from uh, even the lofty price that you were at prior. Um, this is really remarkable. We'd be curious just to ask you a little bit about how you pulled that off and what you think investors see in the company and in you and the story that has them so excited even today. Yeah, first of all, I think that's another kind of uh, when it's your second startup, you have a lot of lessons from the previous one. And we uh, thought about investors from day one in a very strategic way. It was always we want to have around us the investors and the partners, right, in funds that we either have relationship with or we really like, right, we value, right? So uh, obviously, you know, we have uh, Oren Ziv and uh, Arif Jan Muhammad and, uh, and Ben Horowitz and, uh, and, you know, and David George, right? All of them are really, really strong investors. But then even during COVID, you know, we bought, uh, you know, Niels from uh, Greenock, which is a really strong, you know, investor and we and then Lee Fixel and Elad uh, and Elad uh, Gil joined us and and a lot of this was chemistry it was we had a lot of discussion obviously on a company that is not as hyped right for a uh, you know for Niels and, and and Elad and to Lee to actually invest that's a pretty big hoop right uh, during COVID you know the vaccines are kind of there but at the beginning it's not clear if, if, if the U.S. will even learn how to distribute it the, you know, think about it in December, right? In December uh, last year. So I think it was all about chemistry between us and the investors. And that's how we always raised money from day one. It was always about the relationship, the taking the time to get to know each other. And we took the time, Elad and Lee and me, uh, we took the time to get to know each other. We didn't, uh, it was not like one, you know, overnight. It was, uh, we took the time to get to know each other. And I think the trust level was in that place that it allowed them to kind of have this uh, leap of faith that, you know, that, uh, that the company will come strong out of, uh, out of COVID. You certainly have built an amazing roster of investors. We're jealous that we're not part of that uh, syndicate. And we have only ourselves to blame. Warren Zev was uh, very early on telling us how amazing you were. And uh, yet another example, Warren, of the you know, er errors of uh, omission in our business. But um, it's amazing that you guys have been so successful raising money from such great people. And it's, it's, it sounds like it's been no surprise. You also made an acquisition recently, I think the first into the company. What led you to decide to make an acquisition and how did it go? And do you think there'll be more of those? Is that going to be part of the story going forward? It's interesting. I, the, I've talked about this user in the center and the fact that we want to surround that user with different things that are uh, meeting their needs. And one of these needs are VIP travel. And VIP travel is actually very, very different from the travel that maybe you are familiar with when you're using Conquero and American Express, or when you're using trip actions to book your trip and to get support later. It's really the sea level. It's the people that needs a first class or the private jet and the black car, but the unique black car and a lot of different needs. And as a tech company, it's an important part of, uh, of travel, right? You have the sea level in, a, in every organization. As a tech company, it was very, very hard for us to create something like that. We've tried to do it several times and always failed. 
And there is the point that you need to realize who you are and who you are not. We've realized that it is more likely to be successful if we'll go and buy a VIP travel agency. And we're fortunate to actually buy the best travel agency uh, on the planet. Reed and Mackay are very respected. Uh, they've built it over 50 years, more than 50 years. In the C-level segment, in the VIP segment, they are very known. Uh, people respect them. They never have churn. People have been their customers for a very, very long time. And I'm excited of having the opportunity to now bringing that level of service to the C-level uh, in organizations, in the organizations that are using us. And in fact, next week, we are launching uh, the first uh, five customers as a beta on a combination. These are trip actions customers. Obviously, Reed and Mackay have their, their own customers. But the first five trip actions customers that as a beta on one side will be able to use our app and our technology and our analytics. But on the other side, we'll get the service from the, the Reed and Mackay agent. And I think that would be for a certain segment, a very powerful solution. That's awesome. We mentioned in the introduction that you've built an R&D team in Israel. Glenn and I actually came back from Israel, and this is not the, the narrative that we hear. Uh, actually, a lot of founders in Israel complain that it's, a, it's quite difficult and the, the talent, and there's, a, there's a pretty good uh, talent war over there. What led you to decide to uh, establish an R&D center in Israel and what has been like you know, building a team remotely and, and managing them across the time zones? First of all, I think it's about time, right? So obviously we are from Israel and uh, it was kind of strange that, uh, you know, that we didn't do anything in Israel in this startup. In our previous startup, we had R&D in Israel, but on this one, we didn't. So first of all, I would say it's about time. Uh, but on top of this, now seriously, it's tough to hire really good developers everywhere in the world. But I think that there is something very unique uh, with the Israeli developer, and it's kind of related to the resiliency that we've talked about uh, earlier, and it's something that I respect a lot. And uh, both me and Ilan wanted to create uh, a mix of, obviously, we have a big R&D team in the U.S., in Silicon Valley. We have a really big team in Amsterdam, uh, and we thought it's about time to add that type of capabilities to the company. So it was not about cost savings. It was not about let's find a place that we will not need to compete with the Facebook and Google on the resources and so on. It was really about where we believe that there is a talent that will complement our needs. Now you can tell me, but are you crazy? Like everybody are opening, uh, you know, centers in Israel and everybody are competing on talent uh, like crazies. So how are you going to attract uh, really good talent? And here is the thing. First of all, I think that there are, there are people that will go after the big companies and the money and the benefits and all of these things. And it's not necessarily the people that I want in trip actions. So I don't really think that I'm competing with Amazon and Google and Facebook when I'm hiring for talent. I'm competing with other startups. And I think that uh, our offering is so unique for an employee. On one side, we are fairly scaled. So you don't need to have this huge bet of joining a startup on a seed or a, or a, a, a round. But on the other side, we are, you know, we are still very small in the market. You know, business travel and travel generally is a huge market. And we are very, very small. So think about, about like where it can go. And what I'm telling candidates, and it resonates a lot generally, but also in, in Israel, 
I do think that joining us today is like joining Amazon in 01. And why in 01? Because it's where they had their crisis and they needed to rethink everything. And they, and they probably had, had the employees that are the toughest, the ones that will stay for the ride in the tough years, right? When their share price went to seven bucks. One of our investors is Dan Rose. And he can tell you like horror stories from these days at, you know, at Amazon. And actually brought him to talk with the team during COVID to kind of do the kind of uh, share with the team how, you know, how it was like in, uh, in the Amazon days, right? So I think you joined Reap Actions today. It is, there is the potential to join a company like Amazon. And I think it's amazing. And I think that message, we see it resonates in Israel. We have a team there that is actually getting close to 20 people. And we started it three or four months ago. And we are not compromising on, uh, on the talent. So I think that uh, I understand the challenges, but the challenges are everywhere. And, uh, you know, we know how to compete on uh, on good talent. That's amazing. The idea that this could be Amazon circa 2001, I'm sure, is very meaningful for candidates when they hear that coming from you. We're at the uh, time in, in the episode where we're going to put you on the hot seat. So just say the first thing that uh, comes to mind. Ariel, what... What book or article do you like to recommend to other founders? Oh, I, oh, book, book for sure. So first of all, I, w- I will go with one of my investors. And I do think that uh, it, it's an important book to read the hard things about the hard things of Ben. While obviously I'm biased, I do think it's an important book for uh, entrepreneurs. So that's one for sure. And then there is a different one that I think is really helping uh, for uh, founders to be stronger and it's actually a, a book that probably you've never heard of. It's called uh, Mr. Vertigo. And it's really, it's Polo there, And it's very, very much about how to deal with really, really tough situations in life. Well, the hard thing about hard things definitely takes you through what was a very difficult situation for Ben. And just learning how he navigated it, I thought was brilliant. So thanks, thanks for that. What advice would you give a young Ariel? Start earlier. I, I would say I started my startup uh, kind of career really, really late. I joined a company in Israel, Mercury Interactive, that I really liked. So I didn't have any reason to leave. You know, I was lucky that HP acquired us because if not, probably I would still be there. So I was kind of in the corporate uh, side and was fine with that. I actually enjoyed it. But in hindsight, uh, I definitely would have preferred to start with startups way earlier in my career. And, and that would be my advice to, to any entrepreneur that is out there. Don't be afraid. Do it. It's extremely rewarding. And uh, it's definitely something that I would recommend experiencing. Love it. Okay. Last one is a tough one. The best international airport you've been at? I'll, I'll say something surprising. I love the Zurich airport. I like it very much. It's small. It's nice. It's classic. Really good food. Everything that you need. So it's definitely not probably the one that people will, would expect me to say, but that's the one that I like. We have to fly to Zurich now. <laughs> I was thinking, Zurich, here we come. Yeah. Well, Ariel, thank you so much for sharing your journey to date, even pre-trip actions, but, but the journey you've been taking on trip actions, and it's, it's also enthralling to realize that you feel like you're still early in that journey. Uh, you've been through so much, but... Well, you built a really exciting company. Thanks for sharing your story with us today. Thank you. It's always fun to share a to share our story. Thank you. Thanks, Ariel. You've been listening to Founder Real Talk. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us on the Apple Podcast app to help others find this podcast. 
If you have any questions you'd like us to ask our guests or founders you'd like to hear on this podcast, feel free to email us at founderrealtalk at ggvc.com. Our theme song is by Grapes. GGV Capital is a global venture capital firm that invests in local founders. As a multi-stage, sector-focused firm, GGV focuses on seed to growth across consumer, social, and internet, enterprise cloud, and frontier tech. The firm was founded in 2000 and manages $6.2 billion in capital across 13 funds. Past and present portfolio companies include the likes of Affirm, Airbnb, Alibaba, Didi, Grab, Hellobike, HashiCorp, House, Keep, Namely, New, Opendoor, Peloton, Poshmark, Slack, Square, Wish, and many more. The firm has offices in Beijing, San Francisco, Shanghai, and Silicon Valley. Learn more at ggvc.com or follow us on Twitter at, at GGV Capital or GGV Capital on WeChat.